Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Look at verse 3. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself in verse four, don't miss this, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all the church said, amen. Now, Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you. Who are they? Go ahead and yell it out. Who are the troublers? The Judaizers. You got it. I've been telling y'all, listen. There are those who trouble you. And these Judaizers, they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even, watch this, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be anathema, accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, just in case you were asleep, don't miss this. I'll say it again, Paul says. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, then let him be accursed. For for do I now persuade men or God? Isn't that a question every single one of us should ask ourselves? Do you persuade men? Why are you in the ministry? You're in the ministry to persuade men or God? In the ministry to please men or to please God. Every single ministry leader and every single Christian has to answer that question. Do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now, that just makes sense. You can't please God and man at the same time. You're either pleasing God or pleasing man, but you cannot please God and man at the same time. If you know that, say, I know that. And we try to, but you can't please man and please God at the same time. Now, if you were with us last week, let's let me give you just a little bit of background, bring you up to date. We talked about last week, were you with me? The book of Galatians, if you're, Taking notes, got a pen, got a pad? You know I encourage you to have a pen, have a pad. Got to write it down. The book of Galatians 
has been called the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty. Galatia, as we talked about, is a region, it's a territory, it's not a city. You know, like Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Galatia is a region and therefore it's a territory and there are many churches. So this particular letter that Paul writes actually would get circulated to different churches, different churches in the area. So it's a region, a territory, not a church or a city. If you look at a map today, it's actually modern day Turkey. In the region of Galatia was the city of Philippi, Ephesus and Colossae. The Galatian people, as we talked about last week, were originally from Gaul, G-A-U-L, or present-day France, and they migrated south, settling in this region. In that day, in Paul's day, the Galatians were kind of like country folks or kind of backwood folks or folks that were easily misled. Now, also, if you were with us last week, you know that Paul had been defending his apostleship But more important than defending his apostleship, he was defending the gospel of Jesus Christ and defending the gospel of grace. And at the time of this writing, Paul's blood was boiling because these men, as we mentioned, known as the Judaizers, were going behind Paul and they were telling people that they didn't have to listen to Paul. Paul would go into a, a particular city within the region of Galatia and plant a church. And after he would plant a church and teach the people about the grace of God and the love of God and that they've been set free from legalism and that they're no longer bound under the law, these Judaizers would come right behind Paul and say, listen, you don't have to listen to Paul. And actually what he told you is kind of half right. I mean, yeah, you got to accept Christ, and yes, you have to follow Jesus, and yes, you have to believe in the blood of Jesus, but you also, they would say, need to be circumcised. You also would need to keep the Sabbath. And they would say, this Paul guy, well, he wasn't even a real apostle anyway, like Peter, James, and John. He wasn't a real apostle. And so Paul opens up this letter with Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He opens up this letter by saying, I am not an apostle of men. I haven't had hands laid on me by men. I don't represent man. I am an apostle by the will and the agency of God. You know, I was just talking to a brother just between services. And he was telling me he was going to seminary, a seminary pretty close by. And I said, that's great. And uh, he asked me what seminary I went to. I told him I went to UHS. He said, U- UHS? You, he looked perplexed. UH, I never heard of UHS. I said, the University of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he didn't get it. Wait, 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 wait. How, how can you pastor a church and, and, and you didn't go, you didn't, you didn't, I have not been formally trained as a pastor. I go on record to say that many of you know that already. But I'm not a preacher by man. I haven't been, man did not call Pastor Rodney to the pastorate. Hallelujah. Man didn't call me. God called me. God laid hands on me. God interrupted my life and said, you're going to be a pastor. A calling comes from God, not from man. And you can call yourself, but I'll tell you what, 
Calling and anointing is something totally different. I know plenty of people who have been to seminary. Some of them are cemeteries. I know plenty of people who have gone and gotten education and doctorates in theology. But the ministry is not about how many letters you have after your name. I only have two. S.R. Senior. (laughs) That's because there's a Rodney Jr. Back there playing them loud drums. Y'all ain't even see me. I was yelling. He back there playing drums on that song. I was yelling at him. I'm singing, glory, glory. I'm talking about Stop hitting them drums so hard, boy. Just because he's bigger than me, he thinks he can do whatever he wants. Dad, I can pick you up. Why do boys do that, David? They get, they get half, a little bit of half size, and they think they can beat up their dad. Oh, I can, Dad, I can, I can pick you up. I can pick you up. I said, boy, don't let the sides fool you. <laughs> I'll run through you. I love Jesus, but I will knock you out. <laughs> Parents wave at me. I love, <laughs> I love the Lord. Bill, I love him. Sue, I love him. But I'm, no, I ain't going to have no crazy kids. I will knock you out. And you know what? And then, and then I will pray for you. I will. I'll, you'll be knocked out cold. It might even be dead. I don't know. I might have killed you. I don't know. Then I'm going to pray for you. And if, and if you get up, then, we're gonna, then if we've seen a resurrection. We've seen a healing. I can glorify God. Now tell me that's not the most twisted thing you ever heard in your life. <laughs> I don't even know how I got there. Where were we? Yeah, but I wasn't called by man. That's what it was. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was, this is third service, y'all, so hold on to your seat. <laughs> no, no, but, 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 but by God. And Paul says, I wasn't anointed or called or appointed by man. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the outline I gave you last week, and I told you I'm going to give you this outline for the rest of this book so we know where we're going and we stay on track. If you got a pen, you got a pad, it's a very easy outline. Chapter 1 and 2, Paul describes his experience in regards to the grace of God. Chapters 1 and 2, his experience in regards to the grace of God. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes his doctrine in regards to the grace of God. And then finally, in chapters 5 and 6, Paul describes the application of the grace of God to our lives. Chapters 1 and 2, his experience with grace. 3 and 4, doctrine in grace. 5 and 6, the application of the grace of God in our lives. And I told you that I am titling each one of these sermons, Grace-Filled Freedom. So with that, and if you missed any of that outline, you'll see it again. Just uh, stay tuned. So look at verse 3 and 4 again, if you will, with me. This is where we left off, kind of, sort of, in verse 3 and 4. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself. Are you there, saints? Who gave himself. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Who gave himself for our sins 
that he might deliver us from this evil age. This word deliver, if you're taking notes in your margin, you could write down rescued. Could be translated rescued. Jesus rescued us from this present evil age according to the will of God, our Father, God the Father. And and notice something here. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down three things. As Paul describes how this salvation or how this rescuing, if you will, was brought to us. Number one, he tells us what Christ did in verse four. Number two, he tells us why he did it in verse four. And then finally, he tells us who it was done for in verse four. What Christ did, why he did it, and who it was done for. First of all, what Christ did. Well, the first thing he says about Jesus is that what did he do? He gave, what did he do, saints? He gave himself for our sins. In other words, listen, we were sinners and God in his holiness has to judge sin. So instead of God pouring out his wrath on us, Jesus stepped in our place and took the wrath of God upon himself. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took the wrath that was to come to us. He took it upon himself. Do you understand that Jesus gave the greatest gift that he could give Do you understand Jesus gave the greatest gift he could ever give? What was that, Rodney? Glad you asked. He gave himself. He gave himself. And he didn't give himself. Listen, he did not give himself for our virtues. He gave himself, the Bible says, for our sins. He didn't give himself for our goodness. He gave himself for our sins. He didn't give himself for our cuteness. Amen. He gave himself for our what? Our sins. He didn't give himself for our efficiencies. He gave himself for our deficiencies. He didn't give himself for our wealth. He gave himself for our lack. He didn't give himself for what we have. He gave himself for what we have not. You see, sinners need to be rescued, and Jesus Christ gave himself to rescue us. One of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, you all know it, John chapter 3, verse 16. If you know it, would you quote it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One of the most famous, beautiful verses in all of the Bible. You know, someone once broke this verse down like this. God, are you listening? God, the greatest giver, so loved the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need, that he gave the greatest act, his only son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes in him, the greatest opportunity, should not perish, the greatest deliverance, but have eternal life, the greatest joy. Isn't that awesome? 
That is, it is true because it's the essence of the gospel. And that is the message that Paul was commissioned by God to preach what Christ did, number one. Number two, why he did it. Look at verse four again in your Bibles. That he might deliver us from this present evil age. Why did he do it? That he might deliver us from this present evil age. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Everybody, inquiring minds want to know. He did it that he might deliver us, somebody say it with me, from this present evil age. You know, I was studying and looking at this verse yesterday. You know, and I began to think, I was telling them in the other two services, I began to think, Christ delivered me. January 23rd, 1982. Friendly Church of God in Christ on San Diego Street in Oceanside, California, at 7.30 p.m. on a Saturday evening. I don't know how I remember all that. I know how. It was a marked moment in my life. My life changed. You see, all my life, I, that I can remember, I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. Talk about getting ready to go to seminary. <laughs> I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. I'm from Philadelphia originally. And I started, my father's a drug dealer. I don't know my father. Quite honestly, if he's still a drug dealer, I don't want to know him, to tell you the truth. I'm keeping it real, that's all. Don't judge me, love me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I started doing drugs, I was really, really young. And I did drugs through junior high and high school, and I don't even remember junior high and high school. I remember little things and little pieces, but not like I should remember it. But I know that one day, January 23rd, 1982, Jesus Christ delivered me from this present evil age. And I'll tell you something. You can clap your hands for the Lord, because I'm going to clap my hands for the Lord. And I'm going to thank him. And I'm going to thank him, and you should too. That he delivered you, you should thank him. And you should be grateful. I often think if he had not, if I had not become a Christian that day, where would I be today? What would I be doing right now? You think about it. Let it marinate for a minute. What would you be doing? What would your life be like right now if you had not become a Christian? I might not even have a life, to tell you the truth. I honestly don't believe that I would be alive if I had not become a Christian because I was kind of crazy. I did a lot of crazy stuff, too much. I'd keep y'all here all day long. My mother used to say, somebody going to kill you. She used to tell me that. My mother would tell me, not trying to put me down, but she was, I was just nuts. But I guess when you're doing drugs, a lot of things you don't really think things through. Y'all understand what I'm trying to say? Huh? I'm just trying to tell you something. And if, I, if, if Christ had not delivered me from this present evil age, I don't think I would be alive today. What would I be doing? What would you be doing if Christ had not delivered you? And Jesus Christ didn't rescue you. Understand something, saints. He didn't deliver you and he didn't rescue you and deliver you for you to be on your own. 
No, he did not. He delivered you to be his and his alone. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Not your own. When you become a Christian, Christians, we don't get this. And I honestly can say that I believe, at least from my experiences in various, various countries, I think a lot of people have a better handle on it than we do in the U.S., When we become Christians, when you become a Christian, your life does not belong to you. You have this, this this is by virtue of the terminology, I've given my life to Christ. Can somebody say amen? amen? All right. You've given your life to Christ. That means that you no longer own your life. That means that you don't have rights. Christians are always talking about, well, I got rights. Well, I got rights. Well, if you're a Christian, you don't have any rights. Because your life is hid in Christ, now your life belongs to him, and now you do what he tells you to do, and you go where he tells you to go, and you, and you say what he wants you to say. And if he tells you, I want you to go to India and preach to people that can't even speak your language, then you go, and you go in the grace of God, and you let God do what God's going to do, and watch God get the glory, and all you'll do is stand back and say, God, you get the glory, because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. But my life does not belong to me. And we don't get this. You know, we can become a Christian. We just say, okay, I became a Christian yesterday. Now, today I'm going to do what I normally do. No. Well, now you're a Christian. Now you got to live different. Now you got to think different. That's a toughie. But you can do it. Because you take the word of God and you let God's word transform your mind and transform your thinking. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So now that I'm a Christian, everything's different. We're not the same. Your life does not belong to you. Now your life belongs to Jesus. He rescued us and delivered us from this present evil age. And he did that because of his grace. He did not do that because you were so wonderful. He did not do that because you were so cute and he had to have you. That's what you do when you go to Petco and you get a puppy. You go, I got that puppy so cute, I got to have it, and you take it home. Christ didn't do that. If you know that, say I know that. Oh, all right, good. No, he did it. Bible says that he rescued us, for God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He rescued us from this present evil age. Why, what Christ did, why he did it. And of course, we already answered who he did it for. He did it for you. And he did it for me. According to the will of God and the Father, Jesus Christ. Listen, it is the will of God that Jesus would give himself to rescue us, to whom be glory forever and ever. We just read it. Amen. And then Paul says, look at verse 6, saints. Look at verse 6, saints. Let me see the top of your heads. Look at verse 6, saints. Paul says, I marvel. Now stop right there. Look at me. I marvel. Now, you got to get this. You have got to, you got to get this. 
Paul the Apostle, if Paul says, I marvel, this must be really, 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 really big. Because this is a guy who died, went to the third heaven, came back to life and said, he said, I, I, I saw things in, the, in, in, in heaven that I can't even explain them to you. They were so awesome. Paul had so many awesome things happen in his life and in his ministry that if he says, I marvel, this is a really big statement. So Paul says, I marvel. And what he's marveling at is the fact that they are turning away from grace. Now, the idea is that it hadn't happened yet, but they were on their way of losing their grip on grace. That's the idea. This word marvel, if you're taking notes in the Greek language, it literally means to change sides. Are you writing that down? It means to change sides. It means to defect. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.